tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker and I thought if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about cravings and how dopamine influences our level of self-control. Cravings to drink can show up when you least expect them, and they can be really powerful. They don't last forever, but if you're trying to willpower your way through cravings all the time, then you're going to get exhausted and frustrated. I want to explain an interesting study on levels of dopamine and how this influences our decision to go for instant gratification and how the more willpower we try to throw at something, the worse our ability to exert self-control becomes. So let's dig in.
Many of us believe when we first stop drinking that it's just a willpower thing, and we just have to replace alcohol with something else. Instead, I want you to think about how to live a life free of alcohol. When we drink and obsess over drinking, we slowly adjust our life so that it centers around alcohol. You can't expect to just remove alcohol and be fine. You have to readjust your life so it doesn't revolve around it. And this means finding new hobbies, doing different activities after work or with your friends, and learning how to cope in healthy ways. I've talked about the power of cravings and why they happen in a few different episodes, so check those out after this one if you haven't yet. There will always be a list of recommended episodes in the show notes. So cravings happen for two main reasons. Either you're in the withdrawal stage or the first two weeks of sobriety, and your brain is sending you signals to drink because it's withdrawing and relies on alcohol. I talked about this specifically in episode 51 if you're currently experiencing it. Another reason you might have a craving is because of stress, socializing, a specific time of day, driving home from work when you used to pick up alcohol or other things like that. These are all cues and we crave alcohol because we know it will instantly change our mood, make us have more fun, make us more comfortable socializing, or because we're reminded of a time when we did drink. I've found some really cool information on how dopamine relates to cravings and why it's so hard to resist them. So I did a deep dive into dopamine in episode 62, and if you missed that one, I highly recommend checking it out. It was pretty popular. But the common misconception about dopamine is that it makes us feel pleasure. Dopamine is a motivational chemical, not a pleasure chemical. When we drink alcohol, endorphins are released that then bind to opioid receptors in the brain, triggering the release of dopamine. Endorphins are what feels good, and dopamine makes us pay attention to it and remember how good it feels. The reason that we have dopamine is because it's a motivational chemical. When we do things like eating, drinking water, having sex, or sleeping, the brain makes that feel good because we need to do it to survive. Dopamine creates a powerful memory of the pleasure we felt so that we are motivated to continue to seek out this pleasure. And since these are all things that we need to survive, it's to help motivate us to continue to live and survive. Dopamine neurons become activated when a predictor of a reward is triggered. Like when you sit down at the bar and the bartender comes over. That's a predictor that you're going to get the reward of alcohol. So speaking to the bartender is a predictor because you know that your drink is on its way and your brain starts to respond to that by releasing a burst of dopamine. As we strengthen the associations between the predictor of a reward and the reward by repeating the behavior many times, burst responses develop for earlier predictors like driving by the bar or driving home from work. This is one reason it's so hard to stop drinking and stay sober because we have so many cues that other people don't have. And these cause cravings because we've repeated these behaviors so many times. A 2010 study published in the Journal of Neuroscience looked at the relationship between levels of dopamine in the brain and choosing instant gratification. They gave participants either a placebo or a drug called L-DOPA, which increases the amount of dopamine in the brain. 
Levodopa or L-dopa is a precursor to dopamine and is converted to dopamine in the body. So this drug is used to treat Parkinson's disease, which is a disease that reduces the amount of dopamine that someone has. So it affects things like their movement. Studies have found that dopamine replacement therapy for Parkinson's can make some patients more compulsive, and this shows up as excessive gambling, shopping, or eating. We discussed delay discounting, or how we place value on things based on the time we have to wait for them, in episode 68 when we talked about how we make decisions, and this study used the same principles. So this is why we drink, because we know alcohol will immediately change our mood, make us have fun, or make us feel comfortable in a social setting. Even though we know we may pay for it later, we still choose instant gratification. In sobriety, we have to learn to choose delayed rewards. So learning that not every second of your life has to be super fun and exciting, so a little boredom is okay. Or learning to socialize and get comfortable on your own. Or similarly, learning to connect with your partner on your own. Or learning healthy coping strategies for stress and anxiety that don't immediately change your mood. So in this study, after they gave participants either a placebo or L-DOPA, they asked them to make choices to get a smaller immediate reward or wait and get a larger reward. So this study was run in two different parts where each participant either had the placebo or L-DOPA, and they found that every participant was more likely to act impulsively when levels of dopamine were boosted in the brain. There was about a 30% increase in instant gratification choices under the L-DOPA condition. And while the participants were making their choices, they were in a functional MRI scanner so the researchers could see what was going on in the brain. They found that when the participants were acting more impulsively, a network between the striatum and the prefrontal cortex was more active. And the activity of this network was even more active when the participants were given L-DOPA. The striatum plays a role in action planning, decision-making, motivation, reinforcement, and reward perception. So the researchers stated that this type of experiment is helpful to understand disorders that are characterized by abnormal dopamine functioning, like ADHD and addiction. An interesting conclusion from this paper is that impulsivity is not just a personality flaw, it's impacted by our neurobiology. Sights, smells, sounds, cues previously associated with a reward, and the anticipation of a reward all boost dopamine levels in the brain. This means that when you're cued to drink by either the time of day, being around alcohol, seeing it, driving past your favorite bar, feeling bored, or experiencing a trigger, there's dopamine being released into the brain in response to that cue and anticipation of relief from drinking. Based on this study, this reduces our ability to consider long-term rewards and makes it focused on the instant gratification we get from drinking. Sobriety has allowed me to really enjoy cookies, and sometimes my husband and I walk to an ice cream shop nearby to get chocolate chip cookies. Occasionally, 
they will give me one more cookie than I asked for, which is a really pleasant surprise. And this unexpected reward causes an extra boost of dopamine in my brain and increases the anticipation that I feel next time I go get cookies. Will I get an extra cookie like last time? My memory of the shop is permanently altered by the big reward of an extra cookie. So now every time I'm considering going there, there's an additional boost of dopamine being released in my brain from the anticipation. So according to this study, this excitement makes me act more impulsively and get the cookies. And it's similar for alcohol. We know there's gonna be a big reward as soon as we decide to drink. Dopamine starts being released when you're cued, not even when you're drinking yet, and that makes us more impulsive. Everyone says that as soon as you decide to drink, you're done, that relapse has already happened. And I wonder if that's partly because of all the dopamine being released in our brains from the anticipation of knowing alcohol is on its way. So once we start planning to drink or strongly considering it, we're too far into the loop to get back out. Because remember, all of this extra dopamine makes us more likely to take instant gratification. When someone is first considering not drinking, they usually think it's just a willpower thing or a bad habit that needs to be changed. So we try to brute force it and not drink, but live the same exact life without the alcohol. An interesting study from 2017 published in Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin found that the more we try to exert self-control, the less self-control we actually have. This study involved over 600 participants across four different experiments and found that no matter what they looked at, the participants who had a stronger desire for self-control had more trouble exerting self-control during a difficult task. And who is trying to exert more self-control than someone desperately trying to moderate their drinking and keep alcohol in their life? The researchers concluded that it came down to self-efficacy or believing in yourself. They said the common practice of driving people to desire more self-control runs the risk of actually undermining their confidence and increasing their doubts that they have the resources to exhibit self-control. What this study tells me is that the more willpower we try to use, the less successful we are in not drinking. It's not a willpower thing. To be successful at not drinking, we need to believe in ourselves. You have to believe that you can make it through a weekend without alcohol or get through a wedding sober or go on vacation. And it's not just believing you can survive these events, but believing you can have just as much fun or more without alcohol. If you believe that you're missing out or you'll never have fun ever again, then you will create that reality. Willpower runs out and you can't just brute force your way through every trigger or craving you encounter. Each time someone who is trying not to drink through willpower drinks, they lose belief in themselves and have even less confidence. I was doing this, trying not to drink or trying to drink less and each time I failed, I was horrible to myself. Beating myself up and shaming myself doesn't make me more confident, it makes me less confident, leading me to then drink again. 
If you're stuck believing that you need to do this on your own or you just need to break the bad habit, then I encourage you to get some support. I talked about this in episode 80, but getting support just about doubles your chances of success. And there's no downside to support. There's no negative. It doesn't do anything bad for you. The only barrier to getting support is our pride and believing that we need to do it alone. I'll link a bunch of resources in the show notes for you to check out. And meetings or therapy are a great place to start. Remember, trying to just have more self-control results in having less self-control. And changing our lifestyle is important too. When we're drinking, even if you weren't a daily drinker, alcohol becomes a very important part of our lives. We can't continue to live an alcohol-focused life, but just remove the alcohol. I hope this was helpful for you. Make sure to check out the show notes to see more episodes on cravings or the other episodes I mentioned throughout this one. And I will talk to you next week. When I quit drinking, I had no idea how to cope. I didn't even know where to start. It's taken me years to develop coping skills, get my brain off autopilot, reactive mode, and just live a calm, stable life. And that's what I'm here to teach you how to do. For only $5 a month, you can get access to four bonus episodes a month that teach you practical coping skills for each of my Friday science episodes. Some of the bonus episodes in there are three skills to practice to improve your resilience, two ways to reduce chaos and overwhelm in your life, the one skill to start with to become less impulsive, six ways to cope with cravings and stress, and three ways to improve hippocampus function. And the benefit of this is you get one bonus episode a week, so you can practice one or two skills a week, see what works and leave the rest. If you're interested in getting access to sober powered skills, visit soberpowered.com/skills to learn more.